Welcome to the Off the Post Post Media Hockey Podcast. I'm Paul Chapman, joined here by Don Brennan of the Ottawa Citizen, Citizen and Ottawa Sun. Uh, just to let you know what we're going to get into, we're going to talk a little bit about goal scoring in the NHL. Alex Ovechkin, uh, could he possibly catch Wayne Gretzky? Um, how ridiculous that is. Uh, in the second period, we'll talk about the fortunes of the Canadian teams. Here we are almost at Christmas and how they're doing in the NHL this year. Does Are we going to see a good shot at a Canadian team breaking the Stanley Cup drought? And we will talk about Christmas and gifts and hockey presents and World Juniors and other things, Christmas and hockey related in our third period so if you like the off the post podcast please subscribe to us through apple podcasts and give us a rating there don welcome yes second time doing this how are you today i'm very good paul how are things out there they are absolutely as they always are they are soaking wet getting about 100 (laughs) inches of rain today um no difference people people make the joke out here that you don't have to shovel it but they're shoveling something when you have to deal with that much rain i'll tell you that yeah, well, we're shoveling a lot here in the nation's capital, too. But I'll tell you this. It was minus 16 when I woke up this morning, and it's going to be plus four tomorrow. So I don't know what's <laughs> going on with this world. Uh, yeah, that's they, they call that a Chinook in Calgary, don't they? Something like that. I don't understand the Albertans. They confuse me. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have those in Ottawa. <laughs> Speaking of uh, confusing me, what is up with Alex Ovechkin? He had a hat trick. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday morning, so he had a hat trick last night. He's got 25 goals in 30 games. And for all the talk of great young players and a changing of the guard in the NHL, you know, here we have this guy who won his first Stanley Cup last year. And while I'm certain he had a very serious Stanley Cup hangover in the summer, judging from the videos we saw, there's no Stanley Cup hangover for Alex Ovechkin here. This is amongst his best seasons ever. Um, How have you seen him play this year? And what do you think is the difference with Ovechkin? No, you know what's funny? He comes to Ottawa. The Washington Capitals are in Ottawa on December the 22nd and December the 29th. Now, like the NHL schedule to me, I don't know how they came up with segments of it this year, but that's really confusing. Twice in the span of a week, they're not a division team. Even if they were, that would be a crazy type schedule. But no, I haven't seen them live. I've seen them a little bit on TV. Yeah, I like you, like everybody. I'm a little surprised at the start. And can we say it's a start anymore? I don't think we're at start stage. We're uh, third of the way into the season, um, nearing the halfway mark. No, third. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't think that anybody could have expected this. You saw all the shenanigans that Ovechkin was up to after winning the Stanley Cup last year, all the partying him and the Capitals did. I sort of thought that a guy at the age of 33 – would maybe take it easy a little bit. He finally, after all those years, attained his goal and partied like it. And you, you expected that he would, you know, be a little bit slow, a little bit lazy, a little bit less motivated this season at the start. And just the opposite has been true. It's it's remarkable, actually. 25 goals in, in 30 games. He's got four more than the next highest score. The young guns that you're talking about, the Braden Points and the David Pasternak, Jeff Skinner, Patrick Liney, um, he's outscoring them all. He's just up to his old, uh, old style, old tricks. And uh, yeah, I read someplace that I haven't done the math. I'm not very good at math, but I read someplace that he's on pace for 65 goals this year. Um, incredible. Yeah, incredible. and that would that I, would equal his career best. Uh, I'm with you a little bit. Um, I thought that he would be a little satiated by that Stanley Cup and not necessarily be as motivated especially earlier in the season sort of okay well we'll wait till the playoffs but 
you know, I, I, I am loath to give Gary Bettman credit for anything, Don, but, you know, <laughs> with, with what we're seeing, you know, as you mentioned, guys like Line A, uh, Pasternak, you know, we've seen it out here even with a rookie like uh, Elias Pettersson, you know, we're seeing some tremendous offensive skill. Is this just, uh, has the league figured it out in terms of the rules, in terms of the coaching? Like, we, we seem to be on a way better goal scoring trend now than we were, say, three, four years ago. We do, yes, correct. Uh, I, I spend, obviously being in Ottawa, I spend, uh, well, I would say too much of my time watching the Senators. And uh, they have been, uh, as uh, I don't know, as I'm sure you're aware, they have been the team that's given the worst defense in the league. They've given allowed the most shots, goals against. Um, they The predictable thing about the Ottawa Senators these days is they're going to be involved in a high-scoring game until they're not. Like the last three games, no, neither team has scored more than three goals. They've been in some tighter, low-scoring games. So it's there's still been that element of unpredictability for me. Yeah, but for on a whole, the the league is is finding a way to produce more offense, and I think it's great. I, I think it's great. That's what people want to see. I mean, you can you, you, all the defense in the world is going to win you a championship, but you need to be entertained along the way, and defense doesn't always entertain fans. So I think it's great that we have all these exciting guys, all these exciting stars, and they're finding a way to put the puck in the net. Yes, finding a way to put the puck in the net, and that has been Ovechkin's specialty. What what makes him special to you? I mean, for me, obviously he's got uh, – he's always been a good skater, but that quick release, and that's something you almost – maybe would think would diminish with age but I mean he looks stronger now than he ever has I know you you know you talk we're not halfway through the season yet but you know this looks like a young Alex Ovechkin to me well that's the thing about Alex Ovechkin in my opinion that then that's what makes him so good he's always looked like a young Alex Ovechkin he'll look like a young Alex Ovechkin when he's 40 years old I think he plays with such enthusiasm a child's or a kid's enthusiasm he loves the game that much and I think that that's what's you know brought him back to this level that he's at and I think that that's what makes him so good he doesn't it appears that every time he's out on the ice he's playing it like he's having the time of his life and um you know when you're blessed with all the talent that he has the the size and the skill the release the shot the hockey sense you throw all that together and and, and you put it in a package with, uh, of a guy that has that much enthusiasm and love for the game i think that helps ex- helps explain why he's been so good well okay so i'm going to ask something preposterous here I guess we would need a full-scale shift even towards more offense in the NHL for this to happen. But I did see this question posed this week. Alex Ovechkin is now uh, 287 goals behind Wayne Gretzky's career mark. Um, He's 33 years old. Is there any hope of him getting close to that record? Well, it's about six seasons worth, correct? At 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 uh, uh, forty five goals or something like that. Yeah, if he uh, stood, stayed on a pace of averaging forty seven, which to me seems steep, as he's going to get older. So I think you. Yeah, but if he, as you said, if he's on pace for sixty five, if he was nailed nailed that, right. I guess that that does uh, wonders for the average there. Yes, and you know. I mean, we just we haven't seen the likes of this guy before, I don't think. We've seen some great scorers in the league, but we've never seen a guy that's quite got the, the skill set and the makeup of an Alex Ovechkin. So I think it's 
I, I think what's wrong is to say that he can't do it. I mean, I know that the numbers seem like very much out of reach. Um, to, to imagine a guy scoring uh, uh, 47 goals at the age of 39. But as you said, the average will go up, or it does wonders for the average if he scores 65 goals this year. Like it does wonders for the average if he scores over 50 for another three or four years. And there's, I'm not going to be the one to bet against Alex Ovechkin because I just never have seen anything like this before. So to say that he'll never catch Wayne Gretzky, and I read somewhere that he was asked about it um, a couple of years ago, and he said, no, the way the game is played now, that's preposterous or ridiculous or whatever the word he used. Um, but I, 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 I just don't want to bet against him. I think that with Alex Ovechkin, I think everything's still on the table. So we had our good friend Jim Matheson on last week. And of course, whenever you reference anything about, <laughs> about today's NHL and about goal scoring, it seems to come back to the benchmark of the eighties Oilers with Jim as it should, <laughs> you know, having him having been there and that's with that revolutionary team, but I do look around the league and I see talents like Connor McDavid. I see, you know, we talked about some of the guys who made that leap this year, guys like Pasternak. You know, you're seeing a guy like Eichel take a leap this year in, in Buffalo. Obviously, you got Austin Matthews in Toronto. Um, we're a, f- several steps behind that in Vancouver, but the last two years, and Brock Besser and Elias Pettersson seen a couple of young guys come along. Man, the NHL seems to be trending in the right direction in terms of goal scoring, isn't it? The, the, the amount of un- – Line A, again, another guy – you know, you talk about guys who just have almost an like so many have an elite sense of being able to shoot the puck in a hockey sense. Have you seen this crop of good young players uh, like this before? Well, I was going to say, I mean, yeah, I, I don't remember ever the league being uh, this full of this many young, exciting players. Um Again, my, my memory may be off, and we could go back over the years and go, oh, yeah, yeah, back in uh, 2000. And so, but right off the top of my head, no, you, you can run through the list of names, and it's it's just it's amazing. It's incredible how many good players there are. You look at the, the – we don't even mention the Colorado Avalanche in their big line, Miko Ratanen, yep. Ratanen uh, Nate McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog. Like, that's the best line in hockey right now, I think, uh, as far as offenses goes um when patrice bergeron one of the old guys is not around to center another one of the old guys brad marchand and a young guy one of the maybe the most gifted goal scorer in the league uh of the new crew or among them at least and david pasternak so no I, I we could talk about so many names and you mentioned austin matthews i think that that is going to be a really interesting story to to uh, follow he's uh, 16 goals in 17 games this year um, our friend Steve Simmons wrote a piece about whether or not he could uh, become a 50 goal scorer become the Leafs first 50 goal scoring center in their history Daryl Sittler scored 45 uh, the holds the mark for high scoring uh, Leafs center um, I think that the Austin Matthews uh, season uh, let's hope that he stays healthy um, because I think that that will be really fun to watch um, and yeah, uh, again, like we, we can talk about goal, goal scores as we are. We're not even talking about Connor McDavid, who might be the best player still in the NHL. I think that probably most people will agree. But we're not even mentioning his name. We're not talking about Mark Scheifele in Winnipeg. We're not talking about uh, Timo Meyer in San Jose. Like there's so many guys that you can just keep going on and on about. And the old guys too, like the Patrick Kane, still got it going on on a, on a terrible team, still scoring, still a talent. 
there's, there's just a lot to be excited about in the NHL these days. There really is. So we'll leave the first segment there, but it's funny you gave me an entry point in the second period. We'll be back in a second, and we will be talking about our Canadian teams. How's it going? I'm Dave Breckenridge. I'm the host of 10.3, Post Media's Canadian News Podcast. In every episode, we take a deeper look at major stories happening in Canada, talking with journalists who are on the ground from newsrooms across the country. So once Off the Post has you up to date with the latest in the hockey world, be sure to subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. That's 10.3, Canada's News Covered. All right, welcome back to the Off the Post Post Media Hockey Podcast. Uh, this is the second period. We're going to talk about the fortunes of some of the Canadian teams uh, with Don Brennan of the Ottawa Citizen and Ottawa Sun. Don, let's start with the Leafs. You were just talking about Austin Matthews. Um, we sort of take stock here at Christmas. Uh, the Leafs obviously were sort of, I don't want to say a dark horse pick, but they were in the conversation for, uh, uh, you know, being a serious Stanley Cup contender at the start of the season. Looks to me like they're they're bearing that out. Austin Matthews, who we just talked about, and his elite level of talent, offensive talent, you know, missed a good chunk of this first part of the season. He's back now. The Leafs didn't seem to miss a beat. I know they hate the Leafs in, in Ottawa. They hate the Leafs in the rest of the country, to be honest with you. But, you know, is the, what does this Leaf team need to really put them over the top? Well, first of all, I love the Leafs, okay? I'm not a Leafs fan anymore. I'm not really a fan of any team anymore. Um in, covering the league for so many years, but I grew up as a Leafs fan until I hopped over to the Bruins. But uh, <laughs> the I, I would love to see the Leafs make things interesting. I would love to see them um, remain in, in contention. I would love to see them win a couple of rounds of the playoffs. I think the country would just jump behind the story. There's a lot of people that hate them, yeah, and, and because they're fed so much to the Leafs. But I think when it comes right down to it, if Toronto is the last team, last Canadian team standing, I think that a lot of people will, will get on board with that. Um, even people in Ottawa who's, who just who really? hate the Leafs because of the Leafs fans. Well, the Leafs fans can drive you crazy when you're at Canadian Tire Centre because as Montreal fans do, they – take over the building they take over ottawa's building they're loud they're obnoxious and all that stuff they're fun it's good fun but ottawa fans don't like them um but but <laughs> the seriously leafs, if I, the leafs were if the leafs were in the stanley cup finals do you think ottawa would want ottawa fans would want the leafs to to break the canadian drought or would it be like not them anyone but them because i think that would be the sentiment out in vancouver they don't want to see the leafs win anything yeah yeah, well, it, it's it's the same when you discuss any matter when you're talking about a group of people. We can say whatever we want here because I think that half of the people or whatever the divide would be would want to see the Leafs uh, do well, would want to see the Leafs end their drought, would want to see the Leafs win for Canada. And the other half just hate the Leafs because, well, my friends hate the Leafs and because they play against our senators. And, you know, it's it's everybody's got their own reasons. It's hard to pinpoint. I still I think there would be a lot of people in Ottawa that would cheer for the Leafs. I think that a lot of people across the country who would never, ever admit it in the past would get on board the Leafs bandwagon. Now, oh, in... in Hey, sorry, go ahead, Paul. No, I was just going to say, I can tell you out here, part of the frustration is, you know, we can have a, a, a player like Elias Pettersson get five points in a game, and then you turn on your national sports networks, and they, there's three stories telling you that Austin Matthews tied his left skate before his right one. <laughs> um, so I think that's where the frustration around the Leafs comes from. But yeah, I agree with you. I think a relevant Leafs team at least makes you interested. Well, so they're covered better than the rest of the league. Is that what you're trying to say? 
Um, saturation yeah. coverage. I don't know what you would call it. Covered better. Covered to death. Beating a dead horse. Throw your analogy yeah. at it. But but I look. Yeah. They they are absolutely fantastic. A lot of people would pick. You know, they say there's still questions about the goaltending. The Leafs are second in the in the Eastern Conference in terms of goals scored, but they're second in goals against too. I think Carolina is the only team that's given up fewer goals than the Leafs this year. That so they're a pretty complete team with Babcock running the bench there. I think there's only about two or three goalies in the NHL these days that you can count on to be pretty stellar every night. I think that Frederick Anderson is very close to the group. I would be quite um, uh, feel quite safe to have Frederick Anderson as my goalie on a cup-contending team. I, I think that he's good enough to win the Stanley Cup someday. What I'd be concerned about in, in Toronto is the defense, and they've got some good young guys, but I think that they need a little bit more... Uh, backbone there. I think they need a little bit more defensive uh, uh, awareness, a, a better defender back there. And I'm, I'm sure that they're probably going to um, trade for one before the uh, deadline. I, I think that they've got a lot of firepower, which makes them exciting. Um, boy, aren't we glad the William Nylander story is over? Uh, I, I don't Finally. know. I don't. I don't know uh, why we were subjected to that. I don't know why uh, or how this all happened. That a kid that really has not accomplished a whole lot yet was able to uh, dig his heels in and behave like his father did years ago and and insist on the deal. But he got his. He got what he wanted. Uh, it's a deal that may or may not be good in, in five years, four years from now, but we'll see what happens there. Um, I'm just, uh, I, I think that the Leafs have uh, everything except the, the defense maybe that uh, they're going to take into the playoffs with them. I think that they will shore up there. And I think, I, I've been calling for the Leafs to win the Stanley Cup for about four years now. I didn't this season, so this is the year they're going to uh, take a run at it. <laughs> Fantastic. Let's stick in the East for a second. Montreal, one of the more surprising teams at the start of the season, I think a lot of people were picking them to be in the bottom five. Um, they still sit in a playoff spot. They've come back to earth a little bit. They're four, five, and one in their last ten, but they are still in in a wild card spot. Um, Ottawa, not that far behind. Don, I know you. You know, obviously, it's a team you cover. Uh, they had the Uber controversy. They're only five points behind the Habs for that last uh, playoff spot. How is the season looking the rest of the way for both Ottawa and Montreal? I know in Ottawa it's probably similar to Vancouver. You're looking for the team to be competitive, for the young players to grow. But, you know, I look at the standings and I think Ottawa, Ottawa and Montreal are both better than where I thought they – or they're both higher than I thought at this time of the season. Well, yeah, I think that uh, there's been surprises with both teams. I think that um, Montreal, nobody expected at this stage that they would be holding on to a playoff spot. And they've been doing so without Carey Price being at his best. I don't think we've seen um, the best of Carey Price yet this, this season. We we did in a, a game against Ottawa. He, he was very, very good against Ottawa in the second of back-to-back 5-2 uh, Montreal wins. I believe it was last week. Yeah, just about eight to seven to ten days ago um he was very good what we what we did also see in those back-to-back games is the a really interesting line to me uh, with max domi uh, jonathan drouin and andrew shaw for the canadians they beat uh they single-handedly beat the senators in montreal um and they uh, they did a pretty good job in Ottawa too. I just think the, the the different parts of that line are very intriguing. I think that there's a 
there's such a, a special chemistry forming between Jonathan Drouin and and Max Domi. It's it's incredible. They look like they've been playing together for 15 years, honestly. Um, and then Andrew Shaw. I've always liked Andrew Shaw. I think every team needs an Andrew Shaw. A little uh, disturber out there that uh, that that really creates a lot of loose pucks for his linemates. I, I I'm just really intrigued by that line. I could watch that line play. There was there was a lot of good things to like about it. In, and I think that they'll continue uh, going that like they have in Ottawa. The, it's simple with the Senators, and and we knew going into the season because they have such a young team, because they have some a lot of players that maybe shouldn't be, or, or at least are playing in the positions of, above where they should be right now, uh, more ice time than they should be getting in the NHL. That they were going to be victims uh, of opposing coaches when when they went into uh, a game as a road team. The last line change kills the Ottawa Senators every time the when when they're on the road the player the uh you can put your your best against their youngest and least experienced and you can have your way with the Senators um Senators are three ten and one on the road as we speak right now Paul and uh you you knew they were going to be a bad road team because of that until they got some experience until they uh added a little bit throughout the throughout the year or the years but uh, they have been every bit as bad of a road team as we thought they would be. Um, they, they've surprisingly been very good at home, uh, and uh, that's why they are still in the in the I guess you could say playoff conversation. They've got the goal the goalie the Craig Anderson who's played very well as a 37 year old, playing seen a lot of lot of minutes and. Uh, you know, you, you wonder if he's going to be able to keep up that pace for the year. And they've got some really uh, exciting and fun kids to watch. Thomas Shabbat is having a, just a, a great season and, and a season that makes you go like, okay, so there was never a problem trading Eric Carlson because this guy has proved to be uh, better than Eric Carlson was last year. I'm not going to say that definitively that he's better than Eric Carlson right now, but I, I'd rather have him on my team than Eric Carlson. Uh, Carlson's got the experience. Shabbat's going to be a great player to watch for years. And they've got the, the they've got the Brady Kachuk that's made, uh, up front that's really making a lot of people uh, take notice that and realize that they did a they made a pretty good pick with the fourth overall. Well, that's what I've seen some funny some people out here. Of course, Vancouverites famously insecure about everything to do with their hockey team. You know, Elias Pettersson has really been spectacular. I haven't seen a, a guy come into the league in this market and grab a hold of things like this since Pavel Burry, to be honest with you. But I saw some suggestions. People were saying, oh, if Brady Kachuk had been healthy all year, he, he you know, he would have, he would be ahead of Pedersen or that he will rival Pedersen for the Calder. I think that that absolutely can be the case because he has grown up. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the Western Conference. Um, Calgary, with this great comeback against uh, the Flyers last night, they're third in the NHL, Don. We got three Canadian teams in the top five. You know, Winnipeg, who got off to a bit of a slow start, but people thought would be one of the elite teams at the start of the year. You know, Calgary, they've got a – Winnipeg's got a game or two in hand, but Calgary and Winnipeg are right there at the top of the NHL standings. Is that a surprise to you? Um, yeah, I think it is a little bit. Not, not in Winnipeg's case so much, but Calgary's. I wasn't sure that they were going to be – quite in that elite group as uh, right yet I, I'm convinced uh, unconvinced about their goaltending but and, and Mike Smith uh, has his had had his struggles uh, and he had his struggles in the in the 6-5 victory over Philadelphia in fact he got pulled after two periods I think he was ill or he was dealing with some sort of an injury though but 
he he didn't look very good throughout that night but yet they found a way to win and that's you know i guess if you really break down their roster they do they do have a lot of very very good pieces we shouldn't be surprised because with the roster that the flames have but again with me it was the golden and i didn't think it was good enough to to put them at that level so yeah that's good to see and it's going to be very interesting to see if they um, stick with the, the tandem they have or if they try to make an improvement at the trade deadline because I, there's going to be some goalies, I think, Paul, that are going to be available. Uh, uh, older goalies, uh, uh, maybe a Jonathan Quick or a, or a Corey Crawford, guys that are going nowhere this year that teams may want to look at in turn, and, and, and attempt to shore up at that position. So it'll be interesting to see if Calgary uh, chooses that route or decides to, uh, to stick with the chemistry they have. Um, Winnipeg, uh, yeah, Winnipeg, after their great playoff run last year, you sort of felt that this was a team that was going to be uh, among the contenders for a few years, and and they've uh, really lived up to expectations. Um, I think they're going to be fun to watch, and I I still, again, now, for what it's worth, I did pick Winnipeg and, well, Winnipeg anyways, (laughs) to be in the Stanley Cup final, Winnipeg and Boston. Well, maybe we'll end up with Winnipeg and Toronto, and then we'll finally break that drought. So we'll leave the second period there. We'll come back with the third period, and we'll talk a little trade rumors, and then I wanted to get some hockey Christmas stuff in there. How's it going? I'm Dave Breckenridge. I'm the host of 10-3, Post Media's Canadian News Podcast. In every episode, we take a deeper look at major stories happening in Canada, talking with journalists who are on the ground from newsrooms across the country. So once Off the Post has you up to date with the latest in the hockey world, be sure to subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. That's 10-3, Canada's News Covered. All right, it's the third period of the Off the Post Hockey Podcast. Uh, Don, we just finished off talking about trades. I know goalies, defensemen, that's the premium. That seems to be uh, what everyone wants. There's a lot of teams in the mix um, still. The temptation to make a deal. Are you hearing... I know we've seen a couple of minor deals already. Obviously, Nylander, before his contract was done, before that deadline, there was a lot of talk about that with him being you know, such a good young asset. Um, are you hearing that there's going to be movement this year? Are you hearing of potential trades already? Uh, right now, I, I think the teams are still, Paul, f- feeling their way out. I mean, there's the, the teams that, are, that came into the season knew, knowing that they were going to be good are, are still in the mix. I don't think that they're ready to... Um, push the button yet on anything that uh, that could be drastic of any sort. So I know I think that for the most part, the groups or the teams that thought they'd be in contention are are standing pat for a bit. But yeah, I expect there's going to be uh, there's going to be something um, in the in the second half after the roster freeze uh, December nineteenth, and and when that is lifted, I think that you're really going to start to see something and, and some talk. And, and I, I expect there'll be movement this year because you look at the, you look at the race this year and you can, you can probably list about six teams that you would not be surprised if they won the Stanley cup. So I, I think that everybody or of, of that group, anyways, they're all going to be looking to get that extra edge and they're going to be looking at the list of rentals um, and, and seeing how they can improve and shore up. And I, and I, I really do expect that this could be one of the busiest times leading into the deadline. No, and it's funny you mention that because, of course, you need two to tango when it comes to a trade. And, and not only do you have these all these teams that think, you know what, we can afford to overpay a little bit to get over the hump, but I look at teams at the bottom of the standings, particular LA and Chicago, the worst two records in the NHL right now, 
Those are teams with uh, big-ticket players. They realize they're out of it and they're going to need to rebuild. It seems to me like there's some teams with a lot of talent at the bottom of the standings who could be motivated to sell. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it just depends on who's who is available on those teams. But yeah, there's guys that you could definitely see trading, changing places. And guys, when you look at those two teams too, they're loaded with playoff experience players. And I think that that's the key. You know, you can you can uh, look at a, a team's roster and you can see some appealing names, and you you still may be reluctant to take a chance on that guy if he hasn't done it in the postseason. But as far as the LA Kings and the Chicago Blackhawks are concerned, there's a number of guys that have proven themselves to be playoff warriors. And and I would expect that if they want to be moved, if they want to lift their no-trade clauses, then they will be moved. Yeah. Now, speaking of clauses, uh, Santa. So um, I I just – I'm such a geek, Don. I'm in my 50s, but I – I used to love hockey gifts for Christmas. I'm a uniform geek. You get a sweater. Um, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I got a, I wasn't a huge Minnesota North Stars fan, but I loved the jersey with the drop shadow, and Dino Cicerelli was the big player. I remember I got a jersey his one year. I got a Bobby Orr table hockey where you drop the little steel ball bearing with the plastic puck part around it. You drop it through the scoreboard, and it would hit the ground. Do you have any, me- do you have any memorable hockey gifts that you got as a kid or even as an adult? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, as a kid, that's what it was all about, right? What the ho- that's what you asked Santa Claus for every year was, uh, was hockey-related things. I mean, I, I lived uh, down the hill in a street from an outdoor rink that we were at all the time. So if you could uh, get, you know, either new skates, new stick, gloves, whatever it may be, you were always playing hockey. And I loved, like, we played mini sticks in, in the house, even way back in the in the. You say you're in the you're in your fifties. I guess I am too. Um, <laughs> in the sixties, uh, we were playing. We play mini sticks without the stick with our hands and the, a little plastic golf ball. But uh, times evolved, and uh, yeah, we got the mi- little mini nets, and uh, it was always hockey related. Uh, there was always uh, I, I always loved the bubble hockey game. That's um, fantastic. But uh, yeah. It, as far as in your house, you'd have the table hockey, the old table hockey, and that was fine. But the bubble hockey game, as we became our teenagers or in our early 20s, we found those in, in bars, and we spent a lot of time yep. at the, around the bubble <laughs> hockey game in bars. Now, I've seen, when I was at the, I was covering the Grey Cup um, in Edmonton, and uh, in, in uh, media availability with the Edmonton Eskimos, there was, uh, Edmonton Eskimos, the Calgary Stampeders, there was a room, there was a two table hockey uh, games in the back, and all the football players were playing the table hockey games. They were like the bubble hockey games, but they didn't have the bubble. So it made a lot of sense to me. Like, the problem with the bubble hockey is you couldn't make repairs. You'd have to call a repairman if something yeah. went down. With, with these new games, they, and I may be sounding like I don't get out much because everybody's probably going, what are you talking about? I've seen those for years. But I haven't. I saw the bubble hockey game without the bubble. And if, if hey, listen, if if – you and anybody else at Post Media is taking a collection and, and trying to get, get me something for Christmas. Paul, I would love one of those. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. You can go two routes. You can get the new table hockey, or if you actually go on eBay, you get the old vintage ones with the old, you know, the metal players. They go for a lot, but man, they look so good. You can, that can, okay, I'm, I'm going into full nerd guy speak, but that can set up a man cave beautifully to have a table hockey. Oh, yeah. There. Same thing with air hockey. 
Honestly, if I got yep. an air hockey table for Christmas, I, I don't know how much my wife listens to this podcast, but if I got an air hockey table for Christmas, <laughs> there's my entertainment for 2019 set right there. Yeah, no, are, are, the old school ones are, are expensive, are they? You, you mentioned they were expensive. I, I wouldn't think, like, yeah, they're very cool. They look very cool, but. I'm talking about the vintage, co- the collector ones with the metal players, you know, when they all right. have like the Howie Meeker haircut. Yeah, it's, everybody it, looked it, like Alan Stanley to me. It, exactly. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's great yeah. stuff. Christmas, always a good time uh, to get hockey presents there, you know, whether it's tickets, whether it's, uh, you know, a sweater um, or, yeah, equipment if you happen to play is, is big as well. I just absolutely love uh, hockey gifts for Christmas. Um, but while we're speaking of that, we'll finish up here. I, I did want to ask you about the World Juniors. It is in Vancouver and Victoria this year. It has become such a Canadian tradition to be cheering for Canada over the holidays. Um, I know Canada is always the favorite, especially when they're at home. Um, and and it's, it's amazing to see these kids come together and, and what it's meant to them when you look at the players who've played in it over the years. Uh, what are your world junior memories and are you looking forward to this tournament? Oh, I'm always looking forward to the tournament. Yeah, you, it's it's uh, it's uh, uh, something that you have circled all, every year around Christmas time, and uh, you know it's good to be able to get together with family and celebrate the holidays. But you also like to get away from the family and <laughs> get get in front of the TV and watch some good World Junior hockey. Yeah, and and yeah, I mean we're spoiled. Canada's been so good for so long. Um, uh, not always winning gold, but but always a contender going into the tournament. This year is no different. Uh, looking forward to uh, seeing how the Canadians can do. And, and, and I mean, from a personal um, side, the, the Alex Formanton, who played for the Senators, is, is on the team, although I understand that he suffered some sort of injury last night. We'll see how bad that is. And, and I think that the goaltending will be interesting too. From, again, a personal, from an Ottawa point of view, um, you're looking at Mike DiPietro, who the Ottawa 67s just acquired from the yeah. Windsor Spitfires. Canuck prospect, Canuck draft pick. They had a lot uh, of high hopes. There you go. There's the tie-in to Vancouver. Yep. Yeah, from everything I hear about Mike DiPietro or Mikey DiPietro is that uh, he is going to be a very, very good goalie, and, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him. The 67s gave up a lot uh, to take a shot with him uh, to take a run at the Memorial Cup. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how that goes. But I really want to get a – expect to see a good uh, taste of them in the, uh, in, the, in the World Junior Championship. Great stuff, Don. We're sort of running long on time here, so we'll let you go. I know you got a lot of Senators stuff to cover. Uh, best wishes to, every, to you and everyone in Ottawa for the holidays. Best wishes to our listeners. We will have another podcast next week. Um, but thanks for listening to the Off the Post podcast. Subscribe via iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a rating. Thanks to Dharma Kwana for producing, and we'll talk to you next week, folks.